Sweat Equity Podcast and streaming show. Oh. I'm sick. The okay. number one business comedy podcast. You do it in the world. I'm sick. That? Yeah. Oh, I, I nailed s- it. I sound like the... <laughs> there it is. That's you. That's the human Our you. buddy Simon's coming on the show, and he's got an Australian accent, and we kind of have a man crush on him. But kind he's, of. He's going he's gonna to We lead. were very blatant. He was going to lead with we... Check out his podcast, Lead With We. Not Lead With Me, Lead With We. In his course, just Google Lead With We, and I'm pretty sure he's got the uh, he's got the SEO on there. One E, right? I think the, if you add an extra E, it goes somewhere it goes, bad. Oh, yeah. that's, uh, that's uh, I heard about Cornhub the other day. Mm. Right? Mm. Free stuff? Free. Mm. Listen to us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts. Uh, wherever you can find podcasts. Really, we're on there. I want to see how high your voice is going to get. It's squeaky now. Um, this episode is sponsored by Squarespace. We love Squarespace. It's a customizable, all-in-one website maker, creator, solution, doer. That's their tagline. You can have an e-commerce store. You've got an Etsy shop. Your aunt selling some turquoise jewelry. She's, she's kooky. But you're going to help her out. You're going to build her a website. You can do it with your tiny little paws and not have to program anything. But if you do want to program, it's scalable for that. Uh, Options for indexing on Google. Bing. Yeah, Bing. I said Bing. Uh Uh-huh. We're big on Bing. Um, What? Indexes for you. SEO ready. And... You can customize it as much as you want. That's what you repeat back to the guy who's trying to sell you $500 a month to manage your website. Hit up uh, our free trial promo code in the in the description of this episode. And we love you. Let's get I started. Love you too. It's called Sweat Equity. Listening to the Sweat Equity Podcast. I'm good. Are you good on your side over nope. there? You left. Adjusting the light a bit here. Is it too dark? Too bright? How are you feeling? Looks good. I like Looks it. Good. All right. Like it. I like the accent. <laughs> oh, mate, it's, it's totally fake. I'm from New Jersey, but you know, a lot of tapes later, here I am sounding like an Aussie. I don't know what's going on. New Jersey. Uh, <laughs> I'm really from Jersey. Jersey. Uh, can you say no real quick? Because no. I, love, I love how Australians no. say no. No? No, we don't oh, yeah. You don't do it with the R on it? No. 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 And also what we do in Australia is we go, oh, are you going to the beach? Uh, yeah, no. Yeah. They go, yeah, no. And you're like, what, 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 what's with the yeah? They always go, they affirm that they're listening to you. They go, is this Thursday? Yeah. Uh, no, I think it's Friday. <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. There's some Americans do that, that do that. Um, when you're, they're, it's basically doing an um Bef- uh, yeah, right. you know, yeah. or and, and not letting and being a people pleaser, not letting the person down. Hmm. Yeah, in a that's weird. The, that's the col- we're all from the colonies, mate. Everyone in the colonies are people pleaser. We say sorry first. <laughs> Interesting. You better. Uh, we need more Australian facts ah. before we get into that. We we ask the guests to you do your own plugs because we don't do any pre pro. Uh, okay. 
Um, and I, I barely have a voice, so we'll see how far I get into this episode. So if, I, if I'm going to mention something, should I just weave it into what we're talking about or at well, the end? Oh, we're, we're going, man. We're, we record on, live on tape. That's how we roll. So we're keeping all of this in. Okay, fantastic. Awesome. So, uh, Simon, why don't you tell people where to find you? You can find me at uh, a podcast that I have called Lead With We, which is all about how business shows up in a meaningful way that will grow your business. These really challenging times, and it shows you how these entrepreneurs, these startups, these founders are getting it done in terms of making a difference and growing their business. Also, I've got a book called Lead With We, which is on Amazon. Um, And also, if you want to do a deep dive into this thinking that we're going to talk about, Go to leadwithwecourse.com, leadwithwecourse.com. So you got a podcast, a book, and a course, Lead With with We. There we go. No entrepreneur in in his own right can travel anywhere without those three these days, it seems. It's interesting. Yeah, well, you're making it a collective effort. You turn turn a singular into a plural, it sounds like. You do. You, You know, people like to kind of learn stuff in different ways. Some people like to read a book. Some want to deep dive into a course. And others are like, you know what, I want to learn from folks who are getting it done that you wouldn't normally hear from. And, um, you know, we get some amazing folks on the podcast and, and what they share. I mean, I learn every single episode. It's really amazing. You know, you, sometimes people think that the, you put podcasts out there to, you know, give as much as you can. That's true. But you learn so much just by doing it as well. Yeah, I mean, this show is very self-gratifying, uh, self-satisfying. Um, yeah. I'm, on, I'm on a lot of minutes. But it's 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 definitely uh, selfish at first, just because I'm always curious. I think Eric is too. Is you know we want to learn from people who've been there, you know. Right. And every entrepreneur has a story. Oh, that's so weird. I was just gonna say I can't remember his name. John um, Livesey. Lindsay. Yes, Live Livesey. Livesey. Who yeah. talked about storytelling, and I I was using that at my job, you know, and really didn't even uh, ever even think of it in those terms and using a story to sell. But I was like, dang, learned it from the podcast. How about that? My own. Especially in uh, kind of the marketing area we both reside in. There's no, there's no formal training. There's no, there's no continuing education. So this kind of becomes a continuing education of sorts. And so I've also taught classes and, and, I've learned more by teaching in a lot of ways too. So anything like that. So there's a lot of that kind of woo woo stuff before we we dip into the lead with, with we kind of whole mantra. Um, We want to, we asked, did you get to listen to any episodes of this podcast before? I was a, I only got a chance to know that I was on the podcast yesterday. (laughs) Thank you for your honesty. No, we like that. That's fine. We appreciate that. This is just a conversation uh, involving business and some dick jokes. Um, We're the number one business comedy podcast and, because there's no one in the genre. Now you're telling the guests that, huh? Oh yeah, I, so, you, know, you got to show up. I've got to weave in our branding at all times. <laughs> there you go. I do it when I wear their. I wear our merch out at the gym, and then I. This is our podcast. This is our podcast. You know, Just write your name on the back. Um, what's it called? Uh, we ask every guest that comes on for the first time um, the same question: What advice would you give yourself at 13? Ooh, at 13. Well, to probably touch yourself a lot less. Yeah. <laughs> because that's for, thank you. First time first, you got yeah, yeah. man. You, you get the genre. You get what we're going yeah, for here. That's yeah, so refreshing. That's a huge time suck. Um, 
it gets worse. But at the same time, you know, I think, I think we all have an internal compass that we're not ready to listen to at that age. But if we just, for God's sake, trusted ourselves a little bit more and sort of screwed whatever was, was expected of us or that was implied by what our parents did or expected from peers and friends and family. I mean, I grew up in Australia and, you know, none of us know who we are at 13. And, you know, all you want to, all you want to do is find out how long it's going to take to get those braces off your teeth so you can kiss that girl who doesn't want to pay attention to you. I mean, that's the overriding preoccupation at 13. So I don't know. When I look back, I just wish I'd kind of trusted my instincts because I'm like in my 50s now. And if I look back at what I'll do when I retire, I think of all the things I loved doing in my late teens and early 20s, like, for example, art and surfing and things like that. And it's hilarious. We, we spend our whole lives climbing these mountains all to look, get to the top of the mountain, look back and say, I want to go back down to the beach where I began. Is that is art and surfing the, uh, the way to have exquisite cheekbones? Is that how we get that? Yeah. You know what? It is. It is that and, and self-selecting with your parents. You know, you, you, you do <laughs> right. do that. You know, you, you go and do that. And if, they, if you're not happy when you come out, you go back in and incubate it a little bit longer. Man, the Australian technology is amazing. So that, and it, we, look, we fall, we fall for that accent. Any accent that's outside. We'll buy whatever you want. Okay. You sell us something, I, I we'll buy it. Honest with you guys. We don't understand it. I don't mean to speak on behalf of it's other magic. Australians. We don't get it either. We don't we're, 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 dumb, we're dumb as two planks in Australia. And you come over here and people listen to you and they kind of go, oh, wait a second, that sounds really smart. And you're like, really? And then you go to the UK and they're like, no, 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 you're dumb as two planks. <laughs> yeah, it's endearing. It's fun. Most Australian people are fun. Plus, we're very xenophobic history-wise. We don't know. We, people don't know about James Cook. They don't. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Look at you wheeling out some history there. I know yeah. explorers and then that's where it stops because I used to read maps because I was cool as a kid. I liked maps too. What? <laughs> That is cool. Give me some Vasco Now we know where stuff is. Give me a little Magellan, you know. Give me, uh, give me Cortez, oh. some of those guys. I, I got to tell you, there's two types of people in the world. There are people who collect maps, and there are people who don't collect maps. I'm just going to leave it at that. That's it. Oh. Those are the yeah. two people. Yeah. I don't collect. You didn't them. say we collected that. Them, that was, but that was the iPad before the iPad. You had nothing to do in the back seat, I guess. Right. I'm, give me the atlas. I guess. Let me look at this Rand thing. McNally Jr. Oh, I know. Well, now, now, you know, before there was the iPad, we actually had to raise children. Right, right. No, I, I'm, I'm totally. Ooh, we dodged the bullet there. Tesla better figure this out because my kids are getting older, and we watch Bluey all the time. It's my favorite show. It might be my favorite show, like better than Breaking Bad. I don't know if you know I it, don't. but it's Australian. You know, they call sandals thongs. Uh huh. Yeah, we do call sandals thongs, and I tell you, of all the language or our vernacular, whatever we say, that's hard to break. That was one of the hardest ones to break. And you never quite know why you're getting that funny look when you say, oh, <laughs> Honey, where are my thongs? Right, yeah. right. Brecky, yeah. you can put together. You're like, oh, yeah, breakfast. Okay, that's what he's yeah. yeah. Bre Brecky can do. Here's the thing about Aussie accent. We go up at the end of every sentence. So you go. Oh, there's a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, how are you? And we're like, how are you? And everyone's always like, why is that? Why? Like, you guys walk down the stairs in the way you talk, while hmm. Aussies go kind of in tone up. And then the other thing about the English is they sort of, they have like their, the focus when they speak is like one inch in front of their upper lip. So if you, they're always talking, it's an English accent, it's right out the front of their mouth above the <laughs> upper lip. But while the Australians, it's in the, you know, the soft palate of the mouth and they're talking up like this, while the Americans, it's lazy and it's falling down to the bottom of hey. their mouths. Yep. And 
That's it's not really adapt. No, I know. No, I, no, I love it. I love, you, I love that. I love talking to, about how people, just the physical mechanisms of things. Well, yeah. And I think Eric likes your cheekbones more than I do. But the, uh, he just wanted to see you just jaw, just whatever. You can read the phone book. Yeah. He's, he's in Let's it. Let's hear it. But then you go, Start with Eric, a. Eric, you know, I'm not going to, I'm old now. I'll take all I can get. <laughs> there you go, man. And then you go Kiwi, which great. is Kiwi, which would be your New Zealand, which is a way higher version of Australian at the end, right? That's how you do that. Well, high, higher in terms of how they, they, Mary? they speak. If you're no, you just go right, flight of the Concorde. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Everything's flight of the Concorde. Yeah. The Kiwis are very cool right now. I mean, you know, everyone wants to move there. Their country's crushing it. They've had a great PM. You know, they're, they're, they're kind of top of the pops right now. Pretty impressive. Yeah. Well, Taika Waititi. We, <laughs> Great. Yeah, that guy. What mm-hmm. we do in the shadows, one of my favorite movies. He directed the last two Thors. Yeah. Yeah, he did. Uh, yeah. Funny, knows comedy. That's what I like about him. Yeah. I, um, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about lead with we uh, in any mm. kind of capacity. So you you have kind of, what I was trying to get to earlier was you're basically we talk about this a lot on the podcast. Entrepreneurship is is isolating. It's lonely. Right. And it that's, that's the dirty secret of it. Just kind of doing a little bit of uh, cursory research on you before we got on. You know, it, it sounds like you've tried to make it more of a collective effort. Can you tell yeah, us about I, that? I think that's fair. I think anyone who says that they're just crushing it every day and entrepreneurship rocks and so on is not being honest with themselves or anyone else. I think it's damn lonely. I think it's super, super challenging. You have more bad days than good. And so, you know, we've got to lean on each other. We've got to use this kind of human scaffolding between each other to keep our heads on straight. My approach to business was this. I mean, as an Aussie, you hear that expression, g'day, mate. You hear it everywhere. It's, you know, almost a running joke. But it's true. In Australia, everyone's a mate. Like, there's this tall poppy syndrome. Like, if you get, if you get too big for your boots, someone's going to knock you down. And because of that mentality, when I saw what happened back in 2008, where the whole economy fell apart, and a few... A few a few fellows were making a lot of money and everyone else went to hell in a handbasket. I thought it was like, this isn't right. It just, wasn't, it just didn't feel fair to me. Nothing more than that. And that started a journey for me where I thought, well, I've been lucky enough to work on brands like Nike as a writer and, and I was worldwide creative director on Motorola and launched the Razor phone way back when. The Razor and, phone. Wow. I was early yeah. money on that. That was one of the worst investments I had. But <laughs> hey, I was hey, like, this thing's going to change everything. Then the, the iPhone marketing came out. was good, though. The marketing <laughs> the, the was mar- real good. Well, thank you. But also, um, the snap of that <laughs> the Razor phone. Everyone remembers the Razor phone. It was yeah. kind of like, oh, you've got a brick and you oh, you've got one of those. That's what I call the Tesla Cybertruck. It's just a Razor uh, Razor Motorola phone. It's, <laughs> yeah. it, I, but I was known in my friend group of never getting the cool thing first. And then I go, right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy this thing. I'm going to splurge. Blow their minds. Everybody's going to be talking about it. And it was just like, uh, it was obsolete once the iPhone or any, you know, uh, BlackBerry had the keyboard. Totally, totally get it. But I, the I design, I, I still love the design. And I, I'm going to give you credit for that. Now, well, I, I won't take any credit for the design. But the larger point is, I kind of looked at it and thought, what if we used this kind of movement making that I'd seen and been part of with Nike brands and things like the Razor and applied it to business doing good. And that was back in 2010. And I started to talk to people about this and I wrote a book called We First. Um, and 
I couldn't buy a lunch. Everyone's like, oh, my God, it's so cute that idiots like you exist and you want business to do good. And we're going to be over here on the corner making money. Good luck with that. See you later. Here we are, what, 12, 13 years later, and there's a lot of problems we're facing. We see every day. And the only way we're going to solve for them is together. We got into this mess together. We got to get out of it together. And so what we help com- folks do at um, my company, we first is we help brands become movements, which is just a fancy way of saying, how do you get everyone that touches your brand to build your business with you? The same way your, your listeners build your podcast, build your reputation, build awareness of you. You know, it's all about getting everyone pointed in the same direction. And so, you know, I do the podcast lead with we, and I've written the book, and we have the course to show people how they can get all their other folks, from their suppliers to their employees to their customers to partners out in their communities, to understand who the hell they are, what they're doing, and to help them make a difference together so it builds your business. And that's, that's what I've been up to. Sounds like you had something. Oh, no, I was trying to not uh, whistle breeze into the microphone. This is why we need your dad whistle breeze. (laughs) I was. I got got rid of it. It's gone. Can I tell you my daughters are in Australia right now for a trip, and my wife is there as well, and I'm empty nesting or I'm on my own, like, for a few weeks. A, it's amazing because you don't even know what that's like anymore, and B, what the hell, you know, it's weird because you get all this free time. It's quite extraordinary. So... Yeah, I hear that. I know about the dad whistle for sure. <laughs> the, the moral of the story is my nose whistles too. Well, the fifty yeah. percent I don't have my kids uh, during the week. It's yeah, it's there's a there's a, a a solemn depression when they go for a little bit. At, at the same, there's time. a relief. You could re- say there's a relief. It's it's there's a duality. It's both at right. the same time. I'm like, what do I do with all this time? But then you actually yeah. you miss the noise and people in. I know, yeah. You miss the craziness, for sure, for sure. A little bit. Um, so you're, you're, how is this different from injecting corporate social responsibility? Because it sounds like that's a little bit of the angle, but also you're really taking customers or clients of a, of a business and making them, you're, you're taking them from being um, customers to like loyal customers, I'd say. Yeah, it, it's really true. It's well put. And Oprah's it, the best it, at that, right? Yeah, I mean... She can do it in a snap because people trust her, right? Because she's yeah, taken them but, from one to the other. I guess I'm trying to figure out... It's a little. It sounds a little bit of both. It's a little bit of, like, I, I want to empower the customer base you currently have into being zealots, Right. Yeah, you want them to be real brand champions. And here's the fact. I mean, I don't, whether you're an entrepreneur who's just starting out or whether you're someone with a big business, maybe got a few hundred employees, who knows? Increasingly, people want to buy from, invest in, or work for companies that are doing good. Why? Because they pick up their phone every day and get terrified by all these crazy headlines about what's going on. So business is on the hook now to really show up more meaningfully. And so the difference with just normal, like, philanthropy, where you write a check or you do corporate social responsibility where you do a volunteer program is it's not like you make money over here and then when you're done making money you do some good off to the side rather you work out what your purpose is for the company why the hell do you exist why do you get out of bed in the morning what pisses you off so royally that you talk about it at dinner parties when you've had one beer too many and you drive people crazy late at night because this is your passion you're not okay with the way things are that is why you've started your company to have a positive impact to solve for that issue 
So it's the difference between shifting from philanthropy and CSR to having a kind of foundational purpose for the company, then pulling that through the suppliers you work with, how you treat your people, the products you make, how you take it to market, and the impact you have when you give back or whatever. And then it's not just that. It's how you do that with everyone else, how you do it with competitors, how you do it with nonprofit partners, how the private sector does it with the public sector. And the whole point is this. We're not going far enough, fast enough to solve for the issues that are going to screw up our businesses. Like you've got climate, you've got you know, extreme weather, you've got plastics in the ocean, you've got like, you know, there's not enough land that's arable anymore to grow the crops that we need. We're screwing things up. So what do we need to do to move faster? We've got to really have a foundational purpose to each of our companies that then all companies have to work together in new ways. And that's what it means to lead with we. Sounds like a lot of extra work that a lot of people don't have the energy for. How does it, how much more is it, you know, how much energy is going into this aside from, you know, the normal uh, happenings of a business? Yeah, if you I'm get just six, curious, like, the good is it something that, because sometimes I'll hear, I, I hear something like that and they say, actually, it take, it's less time because we do this and this. So I'm just curious. Yeah, well, yeah and, that, and that's very true. I mean, it's really interesting you said that. I, that's kind of surprising. And, and I'll, say, I'll tell you why. I think if you don't have a foundational purpose to a company, it's really hard to keep the people you've got. And you spend a whole lot of time trying to get new people because they come and go for another five grand or whatever it might be you might be offering them. I also think it's really hard with the, the churn of customers because they don't really believe in your product. They're just going for price and they'll go to somebody else just as easily. And I think it's really hard to stay relevant when, you know, there's all these sort of scary headlines every day about what our future looks like if you don't really establish that you're making a positive difference. So I think it actually makes things a hell of a lot easier because you're still working with suppliers. You've still got employees. You're still making stuff. You're still taking it to market. But all you're doing is telling people, hey, wait a second, this is why we're doing it in the first place. And if you think that's a good idea, if you believe in the same things, come and work here. And that means you'll attract the talent, you'll keep them, they'll work better. People will buy your stuff because you know what you stand for. People will want to kind of promote your brand because you're showing up in a way that's meaningful given all the headlines and so on. So it actually is a lot easier. And what we hear from a lot of entrepreneurs is, oh my God, we spent three or four years trying to get a product out there and we've been dealing with all this churn of customers, but we can't seem to get sticky. And we can't seem to build a brand. We're just moving products. And that's where this sort of work comes in. Would it be fair to say the problem is they don't give a shit from the top down? I think often that's the case. But here's the challenge with not giving a shit. And that's I the, that's the diagnosis, I'd say, when you're yeah, coming into it. It's a clinical diagnosis. It's, a, it's a, you know, a spreadsheet, and you, know, you work it out, and you say, mm -hmm. officially, you do not give a shit. Right. Here's the paperwork. challenge. I, you know, paperwork. Paper, yeah, paperwork, V look up in Excel. It'll hook that up. Yeah, and, and you know, if you fall into the don't give a shit category, I think there's going to be a couple of problems you're going to face. And I'm going to kind of go in reverse order. Number one, I think it's really, really hard to compete when everyone's just beating each other up on price and benefits and nothing else. You've got no brand that they're loyal to. So you're constantly having to re-up on finding customers. And you really want that loyalty, whether it's a Nike or whether it's a startup. You want someone to go, hey, I like who you are. I like what you stand for. I like the way you show up. I like your stuff. I'm going to stay with you. That's one problem. The next thing is, you know, if you don't really commit to having a purpose out there, I think it's hard for anyone to sort of say, I want to work for you. 
I'm going to come and choose all the choices I've got out there, working remotely, working you know, in the office and so on. I'm not going to go and choose to work for you. And therefore, I think the talent churn can be really, really hard. But here's the, here's the crux of it. If you don't give a shit, if you've taken a good hard look at the marketplace and gone, screw it, I'm going to flog anything out there to anyone to make the most amount of money I can. At some point, it may not be the first day, it may not be the third day or the three years, five years into it, you're going to sit there and go, what WTF am I doing? Like, what the F am I doing? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I don't feel like I'm doing anything meaningful. And if anyone says to me that they've got enough money and that never shows up into them, I think they're a bald-faced liar. It's not true because all of us at some point want to, want to make a meaningful contribution with our lives. And I think that's what, probably the highest cost. Just making money costs you something far more valuable than money, which is who the hell you are. And I think, you know, I think entrepreneurs face that at some point in their, their, their career, whether it's at the beginning or whether they made squillions of dollars and they're sitting there in a private island going, why am I so unhappy? Can we get an example of what this looks like in terms of, you say, we, we tell people what we are and sort of, you know, just sort of spreading the word. How is yeah. that done? Yeah. I'll give a few examples. I mean, um, you've got some really obvious ones, like back in the day, Tom's with its one-for-one model where, you know, you'd buy something and something's given. That's, that, that's pretty clear. But like, I'll, I'll, and I'll, I'll share a couple of big companies just because everybody will know who they are rather than small companies that no one knows. Like think about Airbnb, right? Everyone knows Airbnb. You go and sit in someone's house and you go, oh my God, I'm going to open that cupboard that's locked. I wish I could and I can't. You know, and not only do they provide accommodation somewhere on the other side of the world, whether it's a house or an apartment. And not only do they do city guides and restaurant guides and music guides, but what they do is they give free accommodation to Syrian refugees. They're giving free accommodation through their open homes program to refugees of the Ukrainian war at the Ukrainian border right now. And the reason they do that is their purpose is to create a world where anyone belongs anywhere. And so, yes, they're in the belonging business when it comes to accommodation, but they're also in the belonging business when they do a Super Bowl spot a few years ago about inclusion and your right to love who you want and all that stuff, and also when they gave free accommodation to Syrian refugees. Another example, a well-known one, IBM. IBM, massive software company, everyone knows who they are, but they do something called for code. And called for code is when each year they go, what's the biggest crisis in the world right now, and how can we as developers all around the world solve for it? So they ask all of their developers inside the company, but also around the world, to solve for the climate crisis or sustainability or whatever it might be. And that builds their reputation. It makes the developers like them. It strengthens their business. So, you know, just a couple of examples. Gets them away from um, their history of helping Nazis with their programming. Really? <laughs> from back, yeah, back in the day. Um, you got a lot of work to no, do. No, it's then. like Hugo Boss, same thing. Adidas, those kind of things. They're, yeah, they're, yeah there's, there's lots of company. I mean, I think, you know, that I, point is actually well taken in the sense that all the every company out there today, whatever industry you're in, they're on point now. And I'll tell you why. Not just because consumers want them to show up differently and not just because their employees will call them out, like you saw at Apple and Google and, and you know, Facebook and so Amazon. on. Amazon. Amazon. But because the investors out there are saying, wait a second, if you're not set up to succeed in the next 20, 30 years, you're not a good investment. So we're not going to put our money with you. So the investors are also calling them out. And what happens when you get employees, investors, and customers all saying, wait a second, Sunshine, we're not going to support you if you're part of the problem rather than part of the solution, then market forces mean you've got to change. 
And probably what people don't realize as much as they should perhaps is that by leaning into the good you want to have through your products, in your community, how you treat your people, you're actually inspiring others to build your business with you because you're equipping them, giving them a reason to go, hey, I bought this widget from company X. Yeah, it's, it's cool. Let's check it out. And they're a cool brand because of what? They, and they're cool because of X. You've got to give them a reason to talk about you effectively to somebody else. It's word of mouth. It's timeless, you know? Yeah, it can't just be the product alone. It necessarily it needs to have the story with it. You if, know? There, if, if the product alone was enough, there'd be no such thing called as advertising. There'd be no such thing as branding. There'd be no such thing as taglines and all that stuff. And we're kind of circling around the basics of marketing uh, really with any product is it needs to yeah. evoke an emotion. Yeah. Like Lululemon pants. Like they evoke an emotion in me because they give owners aren't emotions. Yeah. Flat asses. They make them look like real asses. And listen, Lululemon, every brand out there, especially apparel brands, especially beauty brands, especially food brands, they're all trying to get you from your head to your heart. They're all trying to get and say, listen, why, why should a woman care about Lululemon as a brand? Why should a young girl call about Essie as a, I don't know, a nail polish brand? They're trying to give them something deeper and emotional that kind of resonates with their audience. And that makes the company shop in a way that's going to make a difference out there. But my, the larger point I really want to stress is, no amount of individual companies doing good will get us where we got to go. We're not getting there far enough. In terms of, if you look at all the information out there about what's impacting the economy and what's destabilizing the global economy and what's destabilizing the climate and all these different species that we're losing and so on, business more broadly has to show up differently. We have to show up differently for selfish reasons, not to do good. The, the reality is, is that business can't survive in societies that fail. And call me crazy... But if we actually, you know, make enough of a mess of the planet that we're in, whether it's, you know, destroying the Amazon or putting plastics in the ocean or whatever, we're just screwing ourselves. And this may seem like, um, well, suddenly now we've got to wake up and make a difference. But we've been ignoring this stuff since the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, 2010s. Here we are in the early 2020s. And, and, you know, it sucks to be us, but that's the truth. Here we are. I don't like it when companies leverage that emotion out of the consumer. Like, uh, for instance, paperless. Help us go green and let's do paperless. And right. It's like bitch, save us yeah. billions of dollars on paper. Yeah, just like you don't we'll want to email you. They don't want to print it out. That's fine. Let's or like BP and their their uh, environmental what, commercials oh, yeah. during the super. And they're oh, like, shit. look what we did. Yeah, yeah. We. You know, what the, else did you the do? The best thing about that though, with greenwashing, cause washing, local washing, woke washing, is. Not only is it the media that will call them out now, and not only is it consumers will say, hey, you're saying one thing and doing another, but employees do. Employees are I think that's, 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 the, a, that's yeah, the biggest that's the driver. One, yeah. you, you had us lost until that, the, the employees. I them. Well, yeah. You believe those the media? I was you with them all the way. The, <laughs> uh, the, yeah, you need to be a politician here. Uh, but the, the <laughs> with those cheekbones, I'm saying, just that alone. Yeah. But the media... Well, Definitely does. I don't. I don't. I don't have any trust in the media, especially when their bills are paid by pharma companies to have sure. commercials run. Right? They're never going to run a report about something the pharma companies did. And I'm big pharma. No, uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, I'm thinking like it's now everybody has a voice. You're seeing this with like quiet quitting in a way. That's a passive aggressive sure. movement. Yeah. I would call that. Um, you know, you're seeing. 
now the employees or potential employees have leverage when they've never had that ever. No. Right. It's really, really interesting. The power kind of shifted totally during COVID to the employee. For good reason. Companies had to look after their folks. But then it kind of shifted back a little bit as the economy recovered and, you know, employees could be more choiceful. But here's the thing. I think work-life balance has been out of whack for ages. And we've all had a taste of what it's like to have a little bit more control on our lives. And we're a bit like, oh, my God, we love this. Like, we're not working around the clock. We're not commuting like crazy. And we don't feel like we're owned by our employer. And all of that's part of how a company shows up. I mean, if you are the CEO of a company and you're like, I'll use anyone to make my stuff and I don't care what the hell, what damage they do to the environment or the people they hire, and I treat my people like crap and I flog any dodgy product to the marketplace and charge as much as I can, the days when you can get away with that are gone, not only because of you know, consumers and employees, but regulation has got, is going through the roof, this ESG, this environmental, social and governance regulation Basically, the government's on the hook to not have all these great carbon emissions and so on, and therefore they're making all of us change the way we behave. But all of that's a bit lofty. I mean, I would, I would say more market forces than government. Government's always late to the game. They're, they're, yeah, they're showing up at the, the barbecue game. a couple hours late. You yeah, know? Exactly. And also, if you, know, if you don't have regulation to back you up, people aren't really going to do stuff. So you do need them at some point for sure. But, you know, the bottom line is if you're sitting there as an entrepreneur and you're sitting going – Wow, 2023, is a recession coming? Um, you know, is there going to be inflation? Uh, my customer's going to spend less. Uh, meanwhile, employees want more from me. And meanwhile, you know, there's still the war in Ukraine going on, and I hear all this noise about climate, and I see all the news stories about extreme weather. How do I need to show up differently? The simple answer is, in my mind, you shift from being a me brand to a we brand, which is just a simple shift from... It's about me and what I'm getting and damn the consequences to anybody else. And flip that inside out and say, well, wait a second. How can I inspire the people who touch my brand, my company, my product to actually want to work for me, to want to promote my product, to actually think it's kind of cool that we're in the community and then put it out there in a way where everyone talks about you. And we all know, like every one of us has bought a product where we go and talk about it to somebody else. Or we say a company's cool because of the way that they're showing up. And you're just going to see more of that. So if you want to be on the right side of the market forces, the companies that are sort of blowing up, you need to do that. And I'll give you one dramatic example. Think about cars. You mentioned Elon Musk. When I did my first book, uh, We First, it was like 2011. And in writing the book, Elon Musk had launched Tesla and every auto brand in the US was trying to put him out of business. It was a pylon. They were pummeling him. Yep, absolutely pummeling him. Do you got? I don't remember that. But yeah, I was, no, I, I, I was, I wanted to bring this example up, but yeah, they're they're doing it by just doing it, right? And here we are now. What? It's, well, it's twelve years later, and every major automaker in the U.S. has committed to phase out completely combustion engine vehicles and transition to electric vehicles. And their mission statement is uh, to not to to make all cars electric or something like that. It's very... No, it's, it, uh, to, um, robotic. To enable sustainable mass transportation was the, the original yeah. commitment. So, you know, if the auto industry is going this way, then think about clean beauty and all the packaging and all the ingredients. That think about clean food. Everyone's falling over themselves about better food. You know, and think about clean apparel. Everyone's saying, you know, it's, it's organic, it's sort of certified, it's fair trade. So even if you're a bit... Um, on the sidelines around all this stuff. 
you've got to be a good entrepreneur and sit there and look at the market forces and say, what are people rewarding? And give it a chance. And then what you'll notice is that people actually, it gives a, a story behind your product that is meaningful as long as you're doing it authentically and not greenwashing and all that stuff. And people will want to work from you. They'll want to buy from you. And it'll help your business. And we see it time and time again. And we're doing it inside startups all the way to the biggest companies in the world. Yeah, it's internal brand messaging, right? Yeah. You, you get to a certain level, you have to really kind of empower everybody to believe in the message you're doing. And you, yeah. you, I would say it takes, um, if you're an entrepreneur and you have a company, it goes from being an immature, small, you know, small business, micro, even once you become that mature business, you have to really start giving the employees, like you have to hire, you should be hiring to figure out what makes them tick in that way. If it's straight it's up so money right. it, it, or they want more than that, or they want money and that you have to kind of figure yeah. that out in the hiring process. That is so important. What you just said. I mean, you know, we first, my company, there's three things I look for. You're good at what you do. Um, you give a damn and you're over yourself because we don't want any ego and so on. And when you hire for culture, you avoid so many problems. If you know who you are, you know what your purpose is, you know what your values are at a company, you can choose between candidates so easily. You can go, oh, this person's not right. Or, you know, and you get the other folks in your team to kind of interview them as well, and they're either a fit or they're not. If you've got a really, really good person, but they're a bad egg, they're going to screw up your company you know, in five minutes flat. And it doesn't matter how good they are, it's not worth having them there, you know? Yeah, if I'm hiring a programmer, I want to get a box of toothpicks and just throw them on the ground and see how fast they count them. You know, yeah. well, the winner of... gets the job. <laughs> <laughs> you are furthest right. on the spectrum. You well, we, win. We, yeah, that's what I was going. Uh, <laughs> uh, we 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 keep these to about 30, uh, 33 minutes. So I appreciate you coming cool. on, and um, you know, we have much to learn. Well, I think you know whether we like it or not. The issues that we see around us right now are not getting better, they're getting worse, and they're all connected. And it's going to put this new expectation on business to show up differently. And that means your company, even if you're a solopreneur, just starting out at your kitchen table in your garage right now, if you look around the world, you know, if you look around in the headlines around the world, and you look at what's happening nationally, and you look at what's going on in your industry, and look at the sort of brands that are getting the bump that they need and that people are preferring to buy, they're companies that are pretty clear about who they are, what they care about, and they share that story. And their products are proof of that commitment. So I'd encourage everyone to think that way because we want you to succeed as an entrepreneur. And we also want you to succeed so the positive impact you want to have happens and we'll all be better off. And, and, and that's all there is, you know? Well, appreciate you coming on. We'll have to have you on some other time just to hear that yeah, sweet, more sweet voice. <laughs> you know what? Sure. Sure. <laughs> and sure, thanks for not? thanks for rescheduling so many times. That's our bad yeah. on our, our side, yep. I think. Yeah, no worries, no worries. Good to chat, guys, and uh, thanks to all the folks who are listening in. Thank you. See ya. Alrighty.